is uh, from the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as come out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading this evening and our sermon text is from Ephesians in the third chapter. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant to you grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. And as you're able, I invite you to rise and honor the gospel as we hear from Mark's gospel in the sixth chapter. Immediately. He made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. 
And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated as we pray. And I invite you to join your hearts together with mine as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be gathered together around your word, where you bring faith through the hearing of it. We pray that by your spirit you would strengthen our hearts towards understanding, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and that through all of it, Lord, you would show your love for us in Christ. And in his name we pray, amen. Got to be kind of honest, coming to this text, Pastor Bob and I really didn't know what direction to go with as we walked through Ephesians. I mean, how do you preach a prayer? It doesn't really make sense. We preach narratives. We preach stories. You know how much I wanted to preach to you about Jesus walking on the water? I mean, come on, that is such an amazing, wonderful text to walk through where the disciples are freaked out and frightened out of their minds and Jesus walks upon the water, meaning to pass by them. I love that part. It let Mark know as he was writing the gospel, and he said, hey, just to let you know, I wasn't going to stop in the boat. I was meaning to pass by you and get to the shore. You guys were doing fine. You would have made it, you know. Those things are fun to preach, but to look at this prayer is a little more difficult because, really, what do you do with this? I mean, it's Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. It's a prayer that this pastor wrote to a particular people as he's writing to the Ephesians. Now, one interesting note as you walk through Ephesians, there's about three prayers that are kind of littered in this book. It's actually quite beautiful as we dig into it because you see a pastor's heart. Remember, Paul's this missionary pastor to the Gentiles who's planted a church and cares for them so deeply that he not only wants them to know that he's praying for them, but he wants them to actually read the prayer in their hands so that they would read word for word what's going on in his heart for his people. Now, starting off, that prayer is a little tricky because he just says, for this reason, I bow my knee. Well, we kind of skipped over the reason. We didn't really read that text, but we'll get to that text in a little bit. But for a particular reason, Paul is so excited to pray for his people. See, as you read that prayer, I want you to think of something. Your pastor prays for you, too. We pray for you. All the same things that Paul was actually praying for the Ephesians. We pray for God to be so present in your life that you would have a strengthening of faith. And as that faith is strengthened, that you'd be gathered together around His Word and then gathered together to learn it and come to an understanding of God's love for you. And then as you know of that love for you, that you would go and you would care for people, that you would bring them into your lives. So Paul's praying for his people that they would have faith, understanding, and love. Let me translate that into CLC language. Hear, learn, and care. Pretty much the same thing. 
But see, there's a danger if we focus solely upon this section without really knowing what the core of the foundation was for Paul as he prayed. Because if we are so focused in upon our faith, we might get a little worried from time to time. Maybe you've had that gift of faith throughout your entire life where it has never wavered, never been doubted, never weakened, never been uh, barely hung on to. I know for a lot of folks, we go through ups and downs where we start to wonder about our faith. We start to wonder whether or not it's strong enough. We start to focus so much in upon that faith and wonder if our salvation is wrapped up in that faith. And if that faith is the foundation of our salvation, then my goodness, there are times in my life I've been scared. Maybe you have too. See, I think Satan likes focusing us in upon what our abilities are. And I really don't think Paul was focusing us in on our abilities. But he was praying for faith. I heard a good description of faith at one point in time from Dr. Rod, 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 Rod Rosenblatt. Excuse me, Dr. Rod, if you watch this. But he said, faith is the empty hand that grasps on to the promise of Christ. And we come with empty hands very often. And that faith that God gives us is absolutely a gift. But if we are so focused upon our strength of our faith, we're going to falter at some point in time and think that that salvation rests on our ability to have faith. So Paul prays for his Ephesian. He prays for the church at the Ephesian church to say, I pray for faith for you. That through the hearing of the word, you would be granted a faith that is unwavering. And that you would have understanding. Understanding of the love that God has for you. Understanding of the knowledge of all the things that God reveals through His Word. That you would study it so deeply that you would know of God's love. But see, then again, our salvation isn't grounded in our understanding. I've known a lot of non-Christians that know Scripture really well. I believe it was even the demons that would name Jesus as the Son of God. They knew who He was too. Their knowledge and understanding of the way everything worked didn't save them. Our knowledge and our understanding isn't the foundation of the prayer, but Paul prays for us to have knowledge of God's love for us. So is our salvation wrapped up in God's love for us? Sort of. But as we heard in the Genesis text, he loves his whole creation, right? He would never again flood the creation. He would never wipe it out again in a flood. And he made a promise through a rainbow to say, look, when I see that rainbow, I will remember my promise with you that I will never flood all of creation again because I love you so much. So what about the folks that reject God? Is their salvation wrapped up in God's love for them? So that even if they reject God, God loves them so much, even if they reject God, they'll still be saved? Not quite. But see, it is based in God's love. As God has loved us in Christ. See, if you were to go to the verses beforehand, the whole section before Paul says, for this reason, I now bow my knee in prayer before the Father, you know, from whom all the nations of the earth are named. All the Gentiles, all of the people that are gathered together 
in the faith that God has given them to hold on to the promise that God loves us in Jesus. He says the whole mystery of God's will for creation has been laid out and made manifest, revealed to people that not only the Jews but also the Gentiles would be saved through Christ, through His work, through His death, through His life, through His resurrection. As God has loved His creation in Jesus and sent Him to die for our sins and hand over His righteousness as a free gift, as He gives us a gift of faith to hold on to the promise that Christ is the one that bore our sin and Christ is the one who has risen from the dead and Christ is the one who has given us eternity and Christ is the one that calls us loved and family and forgiven. It's for that reason that Paul prays that the Ephesians would have faith, that they would have faith to hold on to that promise, that they would come to the understanding and knowledge of that promise, and that they would know God's love for them through that promise of Jesus. And that throughout all those things, they would then share of God's love for all the people that they talk to every day, that their life would look different than the people around them because they know of God's love for them. That life would look different to the people around them because they have the faith to know that they have eternity all wrapped up for them in Jesus. And that it's through Him that we have everything beneficial, everything meaningful, everything that carries us into eternal life, everything that holds on to us through our weak faith and through our strong faith and through our non-knowledge, misunderstanding, however you want to phrase that, and through our knowledge and through our love and through our unlovingness. God's love for us holds on to us in Jesus. I love that imagery again of an empty hand of faith that holds on to the promises of God. Because it's in that empty hand when we feel like we have no strength left and are about to let go that God's hold on us never changes. His love for us never changes. His grip on us never changes and holds on to us in Christ. As He has baptized us and given us that gift of faith to believe in the promise of Jesus. As He has given us that gift of salvation in Christ alone, by God's grace, He has given us something beautiful. That whether or not we feel strong or weak or knowledgeable or unable to understand or in the way we love or don't love, God holds on to us in Christ. And it's in Him that our salvation lies. It's in Him that we have everything that will carry us into eternity. And it's in Him that we see God's love acted out for His creation. So it's in Christ that we are given faith. And it's in Him that we rest now and into eternity. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for all of the wonderful gifts You have given us. And that as us pastors pray for the people of your church, as Paul prayed for the people of your church, and as all of the prayers that we lift up to you, we pray, Lord, that you would ever hold on to us in Christ, that you would lead us by your Spirit to look upon Him for all of the things we need into salvation. Guide us and lead us, Lord, in Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen.
I invite you 